1: What's good, y'all? Welcome to In the Deep, a deep league-focused fantasy baseball podcast, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network. My name is Jordan White, and I'm joined here once again by my good friend and co-host, Christopher Schwebzee Weber. Schwebzee, how are you doing this week?
2: Hi, friends. I'm good. I bought a
1: house. Yeah, you freaking did, dude. That's excellent. This has been a long,
2: a long road coming, too. I mean, it's... not not a topic i want to get into but good lord the market is a nightmare i'm so glad it's a, 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 a mostly over the trials it, and tribulations can, of becoming still a homeowner wrong this is me we're talking about things could still go wrong I, I i certainly hope that after everything
1: that y'all have gone through and trying to acquire a home that that doesn't happen uh and especially because you have a beautiful bonus room that you're gonna be able to podcast from I just fantastic.
2: I I can't wait until like a a month into living in this home. I just my 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 wife just like knocks on the office door while I'm recording a podcast or something just really grim. And when I open the door, she goes. Basement's haunted. And then I go. There is no basement. And she goes, I know basement's haunted. And then just that's that's going to be my life now.
1: I hope you're not haunted.
2: It's going to be haunted.
1: I always forget that, like, because I grew up in the Midwest that I'm just so used to always having a basement in literally every single house I've ever lived in because we I mean, it makes sense that we would have them in the Midwest because of the winters and everything like that. And it's usually just like warmer down there in general, like baseline um, in the south. Really? Not that many basements like ever.
2: No basements. Not, not. It's not very deep there. Unlike us. That's we're true. Very, we're very deep here.
1: We're so hashtag deep and in the deep.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, this week we're diving deep on starting pitchers but before we get going i want to actually just like plug the socials like we usually do uh if you want to follow us on twitter you can follow us at in the deep pl you can also follow schwebzy and i individually at schwebzy that's s h w e b s i for him and then bunt singles for myself and also if you're not already following the podcast on any of your favorite podcast podcast platforms i don't know what you're doing at this point uh make sure you go on there follow the pod uh also, if you could be so kind, leave a five star review on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, whatever platform you listen on. It helps us out a lot and we would greatly appreciate it. Uh, but yeah, it's now again, like I said, it's position preview time. And we're starting off with, I think, the episode that we ended on
2: last. Yeah, time. yeah, it was one we, of our last ones. We we did starting pitchers late, which looking back on things didn't really make sense. Like it was cool to have more like spring training innings to look more at info. for pitchers yeah it's more yeah, info for great us to have more info but i feel like we're providing less value to the listeners if we hold the starting pitchers back until the very end of draft season we're missing a lot of drafts if we do that and we want to avoid that this year so we're doing starting pitchers early on uh, well i let- think
1: we, we were operating with more information last year but what it did allow me is to be even more wrong about randy Dobnak. <laughs> So there, there is that, <laughs> unfortunately. Uh, but honestly, overall, like you, like you, kind of wrote down here in the notes, we did pretty well last year in terms of like recommending starting pitchers and folks that we talked about.
2: Yeah, I, I I'll never forget last year being so wrong on Randy Dobnak start striking people out all of a sudden, and Brady Singer <sighs> striking people out all of a sudden. Uh, but Don't uh, yeah, not put too we, much stock into starting pitchers.
1: during spring training
2: (laughs) i i we actually we did do well last year we we in in this episode last year we called out dylan cease trevor rogers logan webb alec Manoa, logan gilbert aaron ashby like honestly that's a that's a real nice set of sleepers that we called out last year and there were wrong answers too but we're not going to talk about them because we only talk about the the good things here when you deal in the type of paraphernalia that we deal in here it in the deep. You're
1: bound to have some uh some real uh busts every oh. once in a while because I mean all these guys are at that at the time that we're talking about them are long shots in their own right, um to varying degrees obviously. But I mean as far as like the people that we did get correct, we got them very very right and that's pretty cool. Um, but yes, again I do want to point out we're not perfect. Uh, case in point, obviously is uh Randy Dobnik. I still love you, Randy Dobnik. I want you to know that.
2: Um. I, I, have, I have torn a rotator cuff patting myself on the back. Um, <laughs> I was going to say you tore a rotator cuff doing something else, but we'll just move on from that. Jordan! Um, <laughs> uh, uh, so, like we were saying, we, we had the benefit of a few spring training outings last year when we did this episode. We don't have that luxury this year. Be, for, for reasons. Uh, baseball yes. baseball is, is dead right now. Uh, mm-hmm. the, Rob Manfred killed it. Baseball's dead. Uh, so we are basically we, we had a section last year in this episode where we talked about uh pitchers who were killing it in spring training. Yes, we, we and we uh like like baseball that are that section is now dead. We killed it. Uh, so uh, but we are going to do what similar to what we did last year. We're going to call we're going to do a particularly deep analysis on a, a couple of pitchers each, we're going to touch on a few. Uh, honorable mentions some guys that we just want to put out there in the world that we uh we're we're interested in and then uh you know uh, do a couple quick hits at the end for some uh, some other categories for sure and then i think before
1: that too because i I mean i think all of our picks for the folks that we're kind of deep diving on are all past pick 300 uh yeah they're all going to be past pick 300 so what we wanted to do also is like before we dive in really deep we wanted to just throw out some bold predictions for a couple of pitchers that we like that didn't quite get to that uh, post 300 territory, but are still not going to be like your top, top pitchers. So, Schwabzi, I'm actually going to let you start with yours here. Who is right, your so- pitcher that you think is going to be like someone that you can boldly proclaim is is going to perform very well above expected?
2: I, I am much less confident than you are in my, my bold predictions. I'm not a bold prediction mm. person. I can't do bold predictions. I, I don't have the stomach for bold predictions because I, my, my fragile ego can't handle being so wrong. Uh, so this is like but, a Josh Sperry level, spicy take. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, the flip side of that is I do, I I'm fairly confident in this. Like uh, I, I think health permitting, I, I absolutely see this happening. I think, Patrick Sandoval this time next year is a top 30 pitcher. That's right where Dylan Cease is right now. Yeah. And I think Sandoval could very easily leap to where Patrick, uh, Dylan Cease is right now, uh, talent-wise. I, th- I think we need to see a, a little bit of a... I mean, we need to see more innings. That's re- That's what stopped Sandoval from being any higher this year. So jumping to the top 30 would mean... Uh, probably jumping about 125 spots in ADP, going from a yep. uh, around 200 to around 75, and I I absolutely think he can do that. Yeah, I love that. I mean, this is
1: a fairly uh, I know I know, well I shouldn't say popular necessarily. There's there's a decent amount of other people that also like Sandoval a lot, and we've seen the flashes. Obviously, Nick Pollock
2: adores uh, we, we the literally Irish Canada. We have a t-shirt. Yes, we do. We literally have a t-shirt. 34, 35 whiffs. I, I believe it was 34 whiffs against the Mariners last year.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, incredibly impressive. That changeup is disgusting. Changeup, but dope. again, slider tip. like Yes, and like you said, though, is the big thing. This is going to be both for your pick, your Patrick Sandoval, and my pick that I'm about to talk about. Uh, health is the real concern. Like, if you can get the volume and stay healthy, then this, I, I think, I think pretty easily this could pan out for you. Yeah. We were both wrong. It's 32 whiffs. Dang it. Are we, real shirt, picture, are we real PitcherList uh, employees if, if we don't so know just how many add, whiffs Patrick Sandoval had? Add, Is Nick going
2: to disown us for slandering his boy? It just adds, adds fuel to the rumor that we are indeed the uh, the bad boy black sheep of PitcherList. We are the,
1: I hate to say, I mean, I can say it because I, I'm a dirty redheaded stepchild hmm.
2: of, of the PitcherList podcast network. Um, Whereas I, I am just the dirty stepchild oh gosh
1: we really do go off the rails so much with this i i I do wonder how much we make nick just feel so much pain whenever he does listen to the pod
2: my the goal is to have him never remove his head from his hands as he's listening just as soon as he's ready to remove his head from his hands i want to be saying (laughs) another thing that makes him keep it his head firmly planted perpetually disappointing is what we aim for (laughs) we literally we have an emote in the discord for disappointed nick and i want him to be making that face uh, all the time this is our
1: goal this is what we strive towards uh i think this is actually okay so my
2: bold prediction i
1: think potentially could make nick put his head in his hands i I I hope not i think he likes him you think he likes him i think i'll have to ask him actually i don't know where he ranked him in his uh top 100 so i'll have to ask him again but my bold take, this is much spicier uh, than Shpebsi's. Much, much, much spicier. Uh, so basically, this is all the gen... This all started with me. I, I've been looking at a uh, way to actually weight CSW in a way that incentivizes pitchers who perform better later in counts because it's harder to get called strikes and later in counts uh, when you have two strikes on a hitter. Um, and this is someone that popped up when I did my first run at this weighted CSW project that I'm trying uh and he came up as like the ninth or tenth best name on the list alex wood uh only through what was it, like 120 125 innings last year is projected for around like 148 so far this year for most projection systems
2: i think i thought you said he was projected for like 160 which blew my mind
1: that was only with steamer okay every other projection system has him around like 148 um I genuinely think that if he is healthy, he will surpass that. I think he'll be closer to that 160 mark and could even push 170 if he's lucky. Uh, But again, that's all very health dependent. Alex Wood's someone who has not had the best luck health-wise. Yeah, we we had it out about this. We did. We very, very much did. And regardless of that, (laughs) due to my uh, analysis, according to this weighted CSW metric that I'm trying to throw together, my first run at it at least— I was impressed enough with what I saw from Alex Wood after looking at that and then taking a peek a little bit deeper that I am going to throw this out there as my bold take. I think he's going to be a top 15 SP in 2022, and I think he gets a, a, not many, a Cy Young vote in the NL this year. Just, just, just one is all he needs to get for this, for this to hit. But I think that he's going to be a top 15 SP in fantasy this year, and he's going to get a Cy Young vote.
2: That is wild. It is. It's a I, bold prediction. It, it, it is very bold, and I I, res, I respect that you're willing to just say that yeah. with my whole chest. <laughs> with your whole I am, chest, I am putting this in the world so everyone can just like
1: destroy me online if they want. want to for having this take. But I do genuinely think that Alex Wood has the stuff. I mean, he only added the slider uh, in 2020. And it's very, very easily become his best pitch by a mile. He's got two pitches between his sinker and his slider that both have like a 35 plus percent CSW. Um, he's, he's, he's great. I mean, the, the changeup is questionable. I will say that. Um, but everything else about his profile just screams success. And I think that with some luck, um, he could very easily be a guy who has, has an ERA right around three or just below, um, Obviously, things have to fall his way for this to happen, but I do think that he has the skill set to be a top 15 starting pitcher.
2: I, I hope you become known around the fantasy baseball world as, as the biggest supporter of Wood. Always. You
1: know this. We know this.
2: Just for, for, just for reference with what we were talking about, Nick has Alex Wood at number 66 on his top 200, uh, just a hair under Ranger Suarez, Young Jun Ryu, so not particularly high on him. No. Not at all. Uh, I think he's going to very, very easily
1: outpace Ranger Suarez. I know that you're a big Ranger Suarez fan, I am. Uh, but I'm sorry. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to be the the heel here in this situation. Uh, someone else also. I got to shout out um, Carlos Marcano, who actually chose Alex. I didn't know this until I talked to him because I didn't listen to this episode of Sleeper in the Bust. But he actually called out Alex, what is his Cy Young winner for the NL on Sleeper in the Bust?
2: I yeah. mean yeah your,
1: your thing was bold yeah i i thought i was bold i mean carlos is making me look like a chump right now also i will say that carlos's yeah, specs, a coward. spec stat uh has alex wood ranked very very high so at, I, I at least have someone on the, on the bandwagon with me there that i can kind of like if we do end up crashing and burning i can so be there it, with my with my friend to uh, uh
2: carlos is the driver you are the passenger and the entire yes. rear of the bandwagon is empty
1: I wouldn't say that. I'm sure there's got to be other people out there that like Alex Wood, right?
2: <laughs> I, you know, I'm sure there's like one or two, maybe. You know, what
1: I, mean? I need to get that t-shirt from uh, Shaun of the Dead that Ed wears that just says, uh, I got wood. <laughs> <laughs> I want to get that t-shirt actually now. I need to get that, except it's got to have a picture of Alex Wood on it as well. But anyways, uh, Leave it up yeah, for that, interpretation. That, that is. Yeah, that is that is my bold prediction for uh, 2022 after doing a slight bit of digging on Alex Wood.
2: Really, though, I I mean, that's a bold take. I'm the coward here uh, with with my with my uh, weak, weak Patrick Sandoval take again. Yeah, your take, I would say, is like Himala- uh, Pink Himalayan sea
1: salt is spicy mm. take, but like Frank's red hot sp- is spicy. Yes, a little bit spicy nonetheless. But uh, yeah, so let's dive into our. Post 300 picks for starting pitchers. Uh, Actually, Schwabzi, do you want to start this off since I just finished up talking about Alex Wood for about five, 10
2: minutes? Yeah, sure. Cool. Uh, so the player that I'm going to lead off with is uh someone who I've absolutely talked about on the pod before. I'm an unabashed Carlos Hernandez stan. By my yes. counts, I've talked about him in at least uh, six previous episodes, but it's probably more than that. Because through the entire second half of the season, I was begging people to pick him up. Uh, yes. So Jordan and I write these notes together. Uh, we before the episode, and we probably spent twenty minutes seeing who could stand by their man harder, comparing Carlos Hernandez and Aaron Ashby. And I actually said the words. I think Hernandez could wind up being next year's Ashby and rock it up draft boards.
1: Can I say something, though? You also said something else while you were talking about Carlos Hernandez oh, that I oh, don't know if you there. wrote in. Are, are, are you going to put that's, it in? That's do that, you yeah. have it in here? That, that's okay. The yes, I see it. I see it. Okay, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to spoil it. I apologize. Please continue. The, <laughs>
2: uh, I would say the biggest difference between the two pitchers is that Ashby has a nightmare inducing slider while Hernandez's slider either needs to be scrapped, used less or reworked. Any one of the three would do, I think. Uh, any one of those would make he- the current version of Hernandez probably a better pitcher. But uh, reworking the slider to get more horizontal break would add an entirely new dimension to his arsenal, which is almost entirely vertical breaking right now. It's uh, it's I-, I like his arsenal, but there's not a lot of variety to it. Every- everything is hard. Everything breaks downwards, uh, except for the four-seamer, really. The thing that excites me so much about Carlos Hernandez is that he throws five different pitches. If you count his sinker and four seamer as two different pitches, which you should, uh, and there's at least like one interesting facet to every one of those pitches. Like his slider's not good; it's 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 kind of bad. But when batters swing at it, they still miss forty percent of the time. The problem is that it doesn't have enough horizontal break, so it's not fooling anybody. So when it's out of the zone, it's not getting chases because it's not. It doesn't look like it's starting in the zone. It just, you know, stays where it is pretty much, except the exactly. vertically. So, uh, the the fastballs have great uh, elite velo. He throws real hard. Uh, I, I like his. This is the rare pitcher where I'm like, I think he should throw his sinker more. And I can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, he completely kills the spin on his changeup. Like his changeup has literally half the spin of his fastballs which is like 2,400
1: on the fastball and like
2: 1,200 on the the changeup. Yeah, it's a huge gap. And the curve is his best pitch by CSW. So like there's things to like about everything in his arsenal. So with all this interesting stuff going on, why isn't he better? Why don't people like him more? There's one huge, huge caveat to him as a pitcher, and that's the fact that the guy just doesn't throw the ball in the zone. Among pitchers with at least 1,000 pitches thrown, Hernandez ranked 194th out of 264 pitchers in zone percentage at 47.3%, which is you know, not good. We, we don't like that. He doesn't get many swings out of the zone because batters just seem content to wait him out, knowing that he's you know, not coming in the zone that often. Every other pitch is out of the zone, so why, you know, why swing much unless it's something juicy? I think there's some ridiculous arm talent here and the results could shake out in just about any way, shape or form. And I wouldn't really be surprised. Like if he was 2020 Zach Wheeler with like no strikeouts, I wouldn't be shocked. And, but if he also like took a leap with his curve change or slider and turned into that to into 2021 Zach Wheeler, I also wouldn't be shocked. The point is Overall, I'm incredibly in on Hernandez because the arm talent is like out of this world. He was really good in the games where he got to go multiple times through a lineup last year. And at the end of the day, I think I'm going to jump on the meme bandwagon and say that this year's Robbie Ray is Carlos Hernandez because he simply needs to trust his stuff and throw it in the zone more and probably also get a better slider. But we'll ignore that bit for now.
1: Yeah. I mean, we looked at the peripheral data on that fastball again, like the velo is elite. Like you said, what was really interesting is like the horizontal movement on his sinker was the high. It was ranked the highest in the league.
2: Yeah. And so he gets arm side break. He gets yes. arm side break break on the change a little bit, a lot on the sli- on the sinker. And nothing breaks glove side. And that's why I really want a different slider i, I he needs yeah. to work on that slider and that completes the arsenal i think yeah
1: i guess the thing that i'm most curious about with the sinker though because the sinker carried a pretty excellent csw if i remember right
2: yeah yeah the sa- the sinker and the curve were his uh big csw pitches yeah so um i don't i can't i don't have
1: the exact number in front of me right now unfortunately but i do know that the sinker performed well and i think what was what made it as effective as it was probably was the fact that it had the most horizontal break, but like almost the very least vertical break. Or sorry, the most or yes, the least vert- vertical break of any of the sinkers in the league, which was very interesting to me. So I think just I, th- I think it just has like a very unique movement profile. And I think like you said, I mean, I really don't think that you saying d- like doing the meme thing and suggesting that he could be this year's Robbie Ray is that absurd because I think if he does just throw that fastball a ton in the zone and just trust it, I think that he could see a a massive jump in performance.
2: Yeah, it's I mean, the the comparison is a little off because uh Hernandez hasn't had the peaks and valleys that pre twenty twenty one Robbie Ray had. Of course, yeah, but I I think he's in a similar place where like the stuff is there. It's just a matter of where he throws it and. Yeah, if he wants to a, a true breakout, like including strikeouts, yeah, either the uh, either the slider or the curve needs to uh, do something. Whether it's being thrown in the zone more or just getting better uh, better shape on the slider, but he's I, I, he's got the talent to do it. I, I I feel like he's got the arm talent to do anything really. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: No, I like him. And especially at pick 438, like, again, like at this point in drafts, I can't remember where exactly this would be in a draft. He's actually being taken uh, nine picks later than the second pitcher I'm going to talk about. Uh, So he's going right around like 28th round, I think is where it would be if I'm doing my math correctly. Um, And at that point in drafts, I think you're pretty okay. Sorry, in 15 teamers
2: specifically. I do my math in the prep for the episode. I don't do math mid episode. That's the now that's too much.
1: That's too much pressure. I mean, doing math live on any platform is usually the most boring thing in the world.
2: I wasn't one of those I wasn't one of the like the math olympic kids in school. A mathlete? I was not a mathlete. One of those folks. I don't even know the name for it. That's that's where I was at. <laughs> Were you a jock? Were you a jock in high school? Chebsy? Dude, I was in the marching band, dude. Oh, you are we do we know this about you? <laughs>
1: Well, hey, but you know what, marching band—you do have to be a bit of an athlete, carrying on a big, heavy instrument and playing it, and uh, marching in formations that whole time. That takes—that takes some cardio.
2: It's fair, and I did—I I was on the basketball team before joining the marching band. There's you some, didn't there, do both. No, no, I'm too way too lazy for mm. that. <laughs> two things at once? What? Not enough time for gaming. Yeah, I was—I was busy playing SOCOM.
1: I couldn't do that. He was also captain of the school's kissing team, so. He <laughs> had, had to save time for that <laughs> unofficial unofficial title <laughs> anyways uh but yeah carlos Hernandez, i think is a pretty good value at 438 again you were on him a lot last year and i think if he does get the volume he's gonna be pretty great uh i'm gonna so have so many shares deck. oh god yes uh tgfbi for sure i hope yep. you get him um so the next person is kind of like the exact opposite i would say of yeah. Carlos Hernandez in terms of like what he does and the skill set that he has. Yep. Um, but someone that I'm fairly interested in at his price still, and that's Nestor Cortez Jr. Um I did. I okay, so I if I'm being completely honest, before we recorded this episode and before we started prepping for it tonight, I really did not look that much into Nestor Cortez. So I don't think I'm fully educated on who he is as a pitcher. I know some stuff about him based off of the few starts that I was able to watch last year. But this man is an enigma wrapped in a mystery, wrapped in a delicious panko breadcrumb crust and deep fried to perfection. He's just such a weird pitcher and seems like he seems like the antithesis of what most Yankee pitchers are to me. Like, obviously, when I think of Yankee pitchers, I think of, like, Garrett Cole, who's just, like, an absolute flamethrower, like, high strikeout totals and stuff like that, which Cortez still does get strikeouts, um, but he's not, like, a hard thrower or anything like that, Um, but what he does to get those Ks is that he has a five-pitch mix that he works to perfection and a delivery that he loves to mess with just on the regular to keep hitters off balance, and I think it's clearly paid off for him, so... While doing some research for my little uh weighted CSW project, I looked at the average two strike CSW across the league in twenty twenty one, and it was exactly twenty percent. Uh Nestor Cortez Jr. had a two strike CSW of twenty one point nine, so that's almost a two full almost two full points higher than the league average. So he is regardless of the fact that he, he only throws like a ninety one mile an hour fastball, he's still able to get guys out with regularity, and that's really, really exciting. So How has he been able to do that? I think he just does a really, really good job at using that repertoire to its full extent and getting all the juice he can squeeze out of it. Um, And again, at ADP 361, I think he's a really, really good option. So not just the fact that he has a five pitch mix, not the fact that he likes to mess with his delivery. He also does a really, really good job locating all of his pitches. Like, his location, if you look at his heat maps for most of his pitches, is pristine. He does leave his fastball out over the plate a little bit too much, in my opinion, and could probably get knocked around a bit. But, like, if you look at his cutter heat map, it's thrown pretty much almost exclusively glove side and in on the hands of right-handed hitters or away from lefties. His changeups are, like, surgically placed just absolutely perfectly uh, on the lower corner of the arm side. It's ju- It's just... Uncanny how good it is, and then the sinker is often just thrown off the plate on the glove side, so it's a really good pair with that changeup. Um, I don't know. It, it, I don't think there's many pitchers that have quite as good of a feel for their repertoire as Cortez does, and the fact that he has that when he is messing with his timing on his delivery so often is a really unique skill set, which I think allows him to have more success than you would expect from someone like him.
2: It, it's so weird to see, like, to pull up someone's savant page and see that they have abysmal whiff percentage, abysmal yeah. chase rate, and then a good strikeout rate. Yeah, that's man. so weird.
1: Yeah, he just, I, I, it feels like he enjoys the game of toying with hitters and messing with that timing to make sure that he can't quite get squared up. Because, I mean, like, his ground ball rate is minuscule. He gives up a lot of fly balls, but that's the thing. He's not, I mean, that that's the one thing that could hurt him, I think, is that if he starts giving up more dingers this year, um, and that home run to fly ball rate goes up, uh, that wouldn't be great for him, obviously. Um, but the fact that he does mix up that delivery so often and has just really great command of most of his offerings leads me to believe that he's going to be able to keep hitters off balance enough that that could stick. Especially, I mean, he was able to do it over what like a ninety nine inning sample this past year. So I'm pretty excited about Nestor Cortez at this point. Like again, that strikeout rate is just hovering above twenty nine
2: percent. So happy to take someone like that at pick three sixty one. I do like the pad the the. I mean, I guess not parallels, but the the stark differences between Cortez and Hernandez because it goes deeper than yeah. repertoire. It's like a great lineup versus a Kansas City Royals lineup. Yeah, that too. Yankee, Yankee Stadium versus Kauffman Stadium. It's really there. They are polar opposites. I will say though, I think I mean Kansas City's lineup
1: has gotten a lot better because you think you got Mondesi if he stays healthy is going to be pretty solid you've got Nikki Lopez who can hit for a high average you got Bobby Wood Jr. coming up who's going to add some offensive uh sauce to that offense um and then you've got like obviously you've got Salvi hitting tons and tons of bombs um so I think the top of that lineup is going to be like pretty good I mean one through five will be pretty solid after that it kind of drops off but I mean you can kind of say that about
2: the Yankees lineup too I thought they were going to have a very good offense last year, and I was very yeah. wrong. I think it's going to be much better this year. It's, they did the thing where like they signed like a competent veteran for every position. Yeah. And I was like, this is an unheralded lineup. This is going to be better than people think. And it very much wasn't. Oh, and I forgot about Whit Merrifield because he's still there. He's getting up there, and he might not steal quite
1: as many bases, but I mean, he's still like the batting average floor is so high with him.
2: Uh, Andrew Benintendi is kind of had a bounce back, and I don't feel like enough people are talking about that too. I think he's projected to have a pretty solid year, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. He's going to be—he's um, he's a, a sneaky fantasy guy this year.
1: Maybe someone will be talking about on a later episode, depending on where he's being taken yeah, right
2: now. Got to check that ADP before we bring yeah. him up
1: for real. Exactly. All right. Uh, so we're going to get to our next two picks for
3: post 300 pitchers right after this short break. All right, we're back.
1: Thank you to I assume Nick Pollock for those wonderful ads. We appreciate <laughs> it. But uh, if it's not, <laughs> oh, we'll find out. Sorry to our sponsor if you you're an actual sponsor this week. Uh Shubsy, Did- do you want to talk about someone that our good buddy Mikey Ahedo was very very fond of last year and then had a very injury-riddled season?
2: Yes. So uh, Ahedo, our, our, our buddy, was super high on Eliezer Hernandez coming into last year. Mm-hmm. And anytime Ahedo is particularly high on someone, it makes me pay attention because Ahedo is very, very good at what he does in analyzing players. Uh, he's and, he's much smarter and much more handsome than both of us. We'll just right, put that out there. I, it's, it's a given. Uh, I feel like I find myself talking about guys like Eliezer Hernandez a lot, where he, he kind of falls into that archetype uh, of... Bad fastball, six slider, which is a, a a it's a fun archetype because honestly those players can kinda go in any direction. Like looking at like look at Kente Maeda, uh Dylan Bundy, these guys with absolutely great breaking pitches and not really they don't really have the oomph to back it up. Uh the story of Eliezer Hernandez's 2021 was really like the various injuries he suffered. He managed to he had such a weird year. He was on the 60-day IL twice and still <laughs> managed to fit in 11 starts, which is wild. And uh, the reason he was able to do that is because he landed on the 60-day IL, came back, and immediately got hurt again. So uh, he was able to squeeze in 11 starts uh, at the tail end of the season. I don't think I've ever seen that before, though. I don't think I've ever seen that combination of events. Uh, you know, Don't, don't fact check me, but I'm pretty sure that's never happened before. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Hernandez had kind of a mini breakout In his six starts in 2020 But it was only over 25 innings He paired his devastating slider With a shockingly effective 91 mile an hour fastball To the tune of a 3.16 ERA Which was pretty much supported by uh, An XERA, FIP, and XFIP All below 4 uh, And every time I try To talk myself out of Eliezer, I'm Reminded of his slider, and then I start trying to find other reasons to like him again because the slider is just so good. It's and it's not just good; it's unique. Uh, I actually spent like ten or fifteen minutes during our prep, like had going back and forth with a head out talking about just Elias Hernandez's slider, and something that he drew my attention to was that one of the best comps to Elias Hernandez's slider is Tyler Rogers slider which is ridiculous because Tyler Rogers is a submarine pitcher so yes. that doesn't make sense intuitively but then if you actually look at like the pitch metrics like they're they're pretty close like if you look at Hernandez's slider compared to all the other like premier sliders in baseball it's very different but then you look at this you know submarine pitcher and it's it's close so it's it's weird it's It's pretty much a unicorn slider. Like you don't see this out of guys who throw, you know, three quarters, really. Out of all of the sliders thrown at least 250 times last year, Hernandez's gets the sixteenth most horizontal break among all sliders and the single most vertical break. Like it's ridiculous that it gets that much movement. And it's also like three or four miles an hour slower than most of these other sliders. So it's a Mm -hmm. big it's a big sweeper, it also drops a lot, it's, and the results are, like, unreal, it's just, it might, it's probably, like, a top 10 slider in all the baseball, like, I don't know, there's a lot of really good sliders, so it's, it's, that that would be a fun list to put together, but Hernandez is up there, man, it's really, really good, so. It's
1: definitely, like, number one in the league, as far as, like, obviously, just, like, uniqueness,
2: I would say. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, I don't, like to throw around the like the term unicorn anything because it's kind of overused nowadays but yeah i think it's accurate in this case so uh going forward you know we had we had a pitcher who in 2020 was basically a two-pitch pitcher and both the fastball and the slider were effective 2021 Mm -hmm. fastball stopped being so effective slider was still amazing and he started throwing a change In 2020, he threw the, the change up 4% of the time. Basically never. 2021, 12%. Yeah, so uh, three times as much. That's a big jump. Uh, yep. And if he can throw that a few more times a game, we're talking like 20% usage, maybe throw the fastball a little less and you're talking about a legit three-pitch pitcher usage-wise. And it was good. that You know, it wasn't just like a show-me pitch. He wasn't just trying to like get a called strike every now and then it was a good good changeup now maybe it was you know a surprise to people and that's why it was so effective but i got to say lo- looking at the pitch and and looking at the movement and and it it looks good it's it's another weird pitch because it's a high spin changeup which is generally not what you want but again really really effective so i i, I really like weird pitchers eliezer is a (laughs) eliezer hernandez is a really weird pitcher and i'm kind of the adp is a little higher than i want it's higher than i expected at like 330 but i'm absolutely gonna be, be targeting him in like my nl only leagues and tgfbi because i i think he's going to well outperform that 330
1: yeah i don't know what his adp
2: was last year um offhand i i
1: would assume that this year it's lower uh, after the down year from injuries, um but I will say I think that's a pretty common theme that's running through this entire episode for the most part, except for like my next one's not really gonna be that. My next one's gonna be a really boring pick huh. I kind of being completely honest, but um, I feel like we're we're talking about a lot of like unique pitchers that have something like very niche and interesting about them, like I would say that about Carlos Hernandez with the way his like sinker movement profile is. I would say that obviously about Nestor Cortez and just like, his approach to pitching. And like you said, like the movement profile on the slider and the velo from Eliezer Hernandez. The fact, like you said, the fact the most comparable pitch is uh, Tyler Rogers slider. Yeah, his like flying so saucer odd. slider. Yeah, exactly. It's just so odd. And like they approach the hitter at a completely different
2: angle, obviously, because of the release points, naturally. But um, when I was talking to a head about it, he said that and I was like you mean they're the same but like like a vertical mirror between them right and he's like no they're actually like really similar yeah. and it blew my mind that's super weird
1: Ah, oh, it's so cool god
2: <laughs> uh but
1: yeah i mean i like I, I like hernandez i don't know if i would reach this high for him but i think he's still a good value here and again like at this point you're going to be in round like 22 taking hernandez if you're in a 15 team league, and I think like at that point, again, like you're throwing a lot of darts at this point in drafts. Uh, there's still value to be had in a lot of places for sure. But um,
2: Hernandez, if you're again, you're going to have to bank on health. But I think it's a very good pick. Um, yeah, he's I, I I mean, one of the factors that causes guys to drop in ADP so much is, is health. That's why, you know, yep. your, your your guy, Alex Wood, is in like the two sixties. Uh, or sorry, that was last year. Two twenties, two thirties, something yeah. like that. But and that's why Eliezer's in the in the three hundreds. Like it, injuries are a surefire way to uh, to nuke a guy's ADP a bit. But uh, I did want to ask. So you said you would be hesitant to reach for Eliezer Hernandez here uh, at at his current three thirty four. Yes. So the guys going around him are like Zach Pleasack, Zach Branke, uh Kikuchi, Sixto Sanchez, Albert Auzele. Is it really reaching? I, I feel like he belongs there. I feel like he belongs higher, really. I'm trying to
1: think if there's anyone that I would rather have.
2: Like, the guys going I mean, ahead of him are, are Marco Gonzalez. I would uh, rather take Marco Gonzalez. Yeah, uh, Eric, yeah. I, know you, I know you like Eric Lauer. Lauer's going like 20 picks above him.
1: Lauer is, I think Lauer overperformed what he actually is at the end of last year. He was very good and he was throwing harder at the end of the year last year. And he, I mean, he, had, he still had a fantastic season as did all of the Brewers pitchers.
2: Yeah, his, his um, cutter was silly.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and obviously I want to see if that is a continuing trend moving into 2022 and if it's going to perform the same way. But like, I think I would rather have Lauer than eliezer hernandez i think i would rather wanna, have you want a board bet don't do this to me right now oh i'm gonna do it don't try to don't try to bait me right now about, is this bait is this bait this is this is Lauer's bait. going this 20 is,
2: spots higher
1: this is mad max fury you got the road advantage bait. yeah okay fine we're doing
2: yes. this
1: are we doing this uh roto five by five categories
2: yep okay well, I mean, it, that's Mark tough. It down, with pitch, that's tough with dead. pitchers because the, there's a, an inherent tie possibility.
1: Lauer versus E. Hernandez. Sorry, I have to write this down on paper because I don't want to click clack on the keyboard. How about um, how
2: about we do how about we do roto categories with the uh, tiebreaker being something like I don't know K minus walk percentage or or innings pitched or something nah but, i think i think we just leave it as is leave it as a tie yeah, what no, are the right? odds
1: that there's going to be a
2: tie oh what are, what are, the, what odds are the odds with, i'm with four gonna categories. say this
1: and, i'm gonna i'm gonna say this and it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna come true but um no I, I mean i'm comfortable making that board but i think that's a fine one for us for All sure right. and again like very dependent on health naturally um yeah
2: All right. Our regular listeners may may be noticing uh, we we are trying to do better with having more board bets because I think we wound up having like four board bets last year and we need to have more than that. It needs to be yeah. more fun. Yeah, and I will be keeping track of these somewhere. I'll
1: probably do like a Google form or a Google sheet of some sort and to keep track of these so we can uh, have them posted somewhere. I'll ideally. be
2: DMing him daily. Yes. Um, <laughs>
1: giving me like, Eliezer like Hernandez's strikeout totals for the day. Like I don't do that already about other stuff. That's true. Um. Yeah, no, I do like Eliezer Hernandez. I would take other pitchers around him probably, but I think he's still a good value at that point. Again, I might not grab him there, but uh, I think he's still someone that's worth taking a chance on if he's uh, still around at certain points in the draft. I think like 350, 360 is where I'd feel comfortable taking yeah. him. And he won't pull his quad and be out for two months this year God, because he's hitting. Thank goodness. There's going to be a DH. Yes, we don't know when baseball is going to start back up, but dang, there's not going to be a DH. Oh, we do know so Eliezer good. Hernandez
2: will not be hitting. Yes, Boom. that is all we care about. Man,
1: I'm actually kind of sad that this next person isn't going to be hitting next year, though, because he took one of uh, Eliezer Hernandez's teammates deep twice last year.
2: He, he, he took once of to the Hauser. He did take one of the Hauser.
1: Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going to talk about Adrian Hauser. Ha! Yeah. You, you all probably thought that I was going to talk about Aaron Ashby, didn't you? Because I love Aaron Ashby because uh, I'm, I'm very predictable. Yeah. Psych. I'm just going to talk about another Brewers pitcher and be a homer anyways. Uh,
2: yeah, we have. But also,
1: dropped... I'm going to talk, talk about Aaron Ashby and the relief pitcher episode because he's probably going to start out of the bullpen to begin You've the year. Just, three just so you mentioned
2: know. Brewers pitchers in the last like, minute. Have I? I have. you right.
1: <laughs> I mean, again, they've they were all amazing last year. To be fair, they had the best starting rotation, I would say, in the league. Witchcraft. Really, truly. I mean, that's that's that. uh, Even the guys they traded away. Yeah, honestly, Drew Rasmussen, JP Eisen was fine until he got hurt. Um, But yeah, Um, yeah, I'm going to talk about Adrian Hauser. He's being taken. Currently, ADP is 429 since the beginning of January. Um, It's really weird to me. I mean, I know that he like the peripheral data isn't necessarily the most favorable on Hauser. But a guy getting taken at pick 429 after putting up a 3-2-2 ERA over 142 innings seems a little bit sus to me. And I don't know why he's not bumped up at least like a little bit more. Like I get he's a little bit boring in terms of like strikeouts and his whip isn't that great. Um, But I think he should be bumped up a little more. That said, like he's he's just kind of boring, right? He's not really going to be flashy in the strikeout department. The whip's going to be meh. The ERA was good this past year. There's no guarantee of that happening again. But I will say last year he put up the highest ground ball rate of his career, which has always been pretty good. Um, And he has an improved and honestly, like, I think pretty stellar infield defense behind him, which I think placed his advantage. And obviously, like, there's going to be days where some of those ground balls are going to sneak through and he's going to get singled out because just variance it's, is going to occur naturally from game ballers. to game exactly so there's going to be bad games or stuff sneaks through it's just how it is but i think that he is going to be bailed out by what i think has become one of the sneakiest really really great defense infield defenses behind him uh in
2: 2022 so yeah, what was it urias wong adamas and i guess not Roddy rowdy tell Who who's going to be at first i mean right now i think it would be rowdy
1: yes barrel man which which would be fantastic um but yeah, I mean they signed a couple other people that might be able to play. I mean, you know, like my, they traded for Mike Brasso, who I think is gonna occasionally uh they're gonna he'll probably platoon with Rowdy is my guess. Oh, I hope um, not. On occasion, but I think most of the inning I think Rowdy's gonna be in the lineup most days. Uh unless oh, so. there's unless Free it's Rowdy. days like well, with the DH especially, I think Rowdy's
2: stock goes way, way up. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, we're not talking about the Brewers offense. We're talking about Adrian Hauser, though. I'm just trying to see how many Brewers I can get you to talk about in this episode. Oh, all of them. So all, all of 20, them all, all the time. Entire 25-man roster. A little
1: bit of everything all of the time. <laughs> uh, yeah, so projections currently have Hauser, I think, pegged for around 140-ish innings this year. Uh and I think that that sort of volume in like round 28 of a 15 team league where a guy has a great defense behind him is well worth a flyer, especially if you can put anywhere near that 3.22 ERA up again. Like that's a really fantastic piece to have. And I'm not saying you need to have him as like a regular starter in your lineup. Obviously, like you're probably going to have a full rotation of starting pitchers at that point. But as someone who can be streamed in favorable matchups and be lineup filler when injuries pop up, he's a great piece to have on your team. Um with that said, because I am a homer and because the pitching staff was so good last year, I would literally draft any starting pitcher in a Brewers uniform in 2022 at their current <laughs> price. Like they're all like, I genuinely think really, really good values where they're being drafted uh, right now. So I don't know. I just feel like really lucky that I'm spoiled so rotten to have such a disgustingly good starting
2: rotation. Is it, you think if they reacquired like Zach Davies that he'd suddenly be good again? Honestly, it would not shock me. I wouldn't shock me like in the slightest,
1: yeah, but yeah, but yeah, that's why I love uh Adrian Hauser so much that's that that's it that's the tweet <laughs> pretty much, so uh beyond the four that we just did a deep dive on, we do have some honorable mentions here at the end of the episode, so let's take some time to talk about those uh I think th- actually like, three of these were written by Schwebze, but I did take one down uh, Schwbzi let 's go through two of yours first, i'll do one of mine, and then you can do another one of yours all
2: right, so this one's easy. this is uh- basically the same all the same stuff that jordan just said except this pitcher's like probably like actually good. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. Dakota Hudson also in the NL Central. Also with a great defense behind him. Also yes. gets ground balls. Like it's sometimes sometimes this like these blurbs just write themselves. It's like he gets ground balls, he plays for the Cardinals, he's going to have value. Glad we covered that. Let's move on.
1: All right. And the next one you have here is someone that I think Nick Pollock is fairly fond on as well. All right. So
2: this is going to be a terrible blurb, and I'm sorry. I don't <laughs> I don't have a reason to like Tyler beatty I, I, I have absolutely no reason. I I I this is one of those things like so generally I maybe this makes me a bad analyst, but I try to avoid listening to anybody else like talk about fantasy baseball for the most part because I don't want other people's uh, you know, hot takes and, and sleepers and busts to get stuck in my head and become my own. Um, and I, that's what happened here. I've heard other people talk up Beattie, and it just got lodged in my brain that Tyler Beattie is like the late-round draft pick that you want for starting pitchers. Nothing in his profile screams to me that like he's worth drafting, but smarter people than me like him? So that's really all I've got. Listen to those smarter people, I guess. Uh, but the the one thing that's in his favor is I feel like his name is kind of like an was like kind of like an earworm for me in a similar fashion to Logan Webb last year, and similar to the Brewers, the Giants just work magic with every pitcher that comes across their rotation lately. So you know I I and at five sixty four he's practically free. So yeah, take a shot on VD listen to nicholas prince and the pauper pollock i just thought about this prince the pauper would be a
1: good way to also talk about someone who's a cherry bomb oh yeah that's kind of another good an alternative name for a cherry bomb pretty but yes uh that is that is our nickname for our our, our nickname for nick ah for each week a uh nicholas prince and the pauper pollock um but yes uh the one that I have here as far as an honorable mention or quick hit is just th- this. And this is strictly based on the bullpen session video that came out a few weeks ago. And. I mean, from what I saw there, I don't know why he's not worth a roster slot And like because basically if you're in a 15 team league and you have 40 roster slots, you're drafting 600 deep, right? That's going to be where you're at. Mm-hmm. There is literally no reason to not have Mitch Keller on your roster in a league that deep. And that he's currently his ADP is 573 since the beginning of January. That is so low, so incredibly low. I bet you if we looked at it more recently, he probably probably got bumped up quite a bit.
2: Yeah, we, um, we were pulling our numbers from the start of January.
1: Yeah, so we'll probably I mean, we could adjust that maybe going forward. That's fine. Whatever. Yeah, but like, uh, We'll I mean, move
2: it up as this offseason moves along.
1: But again, so I mean, he's still not
2: going above pick 300 in any leagues, really. Um For- for for reference, since the start of February, it is 566. So it really has not budged that much. Never mind.
1: It hasn't moved almost at all. Um, yeah. So, again, this is basically almost completely. Based on um, the this pit, this bullpen so video, it's so based, uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's based on the bullpen session video that came out uh, a few weeks back and. He was hitting triple digits. he had a nice like eighty eight mile an hour slider to pair with it like i mean it it looked beautiful, and that fastball looked overwhelming um and right now, because he is currently being taken at pick like five sixty six or five seventy three he is pretty much gonna be yours for the very low low price of free ninety nine like he costs nothing to put on your roster. I took him in our um on the wire listener league that we're participating in. Just because I wanted to make sure that I get a share of like the deepest of deep league players to represent our brand
2: the best. Oh, talking real deep. Talking real deep. The deepest. The deepest of the deep. This is an so, ASMR podcast now. I do I wanna throw throw it back to about a year ago. Yes. About about a year ago, we were we were doing this episode for for the 2021 season yes and there there was another bullpen session that got us really jazzed aaron sanchez aaron sanchez wearing blue gym shorts that we thought might have been jorts i and definitely it, thought they were jorts it got us irrationally excited so uh that if you took aaron sanchez with like a 650 adp pick you actually got like you know he he was good when he pitched it's a shame yeah. that he got hurt as aaron sanchez is wont to do yeah but uh this bullpen session <laughs> is actually showing us something way more valuable than jorts. This is showing, you know, hundred mile an hour velocity. So, yes. you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully the, uh, the, the single bullpen session, uh, take is, is, uh, you know, just as fruitful as it was last year.
1: Absolutely. Um, all right. We have one more in the honorable mentions quick hit section, and that's going to be our deepest cut. I think of this entire episode,
2: probably. Um and, and this is all thanks to Schwebzi. This is this is this is all you buddy. Look one of my one of my, my simple pleasures in life is when we're prepping for this podcast and I say to Jordan, I'm gonna talk about blank. And Jordan goes, I have no idea who that is, because that, that makes me happy because that, that means I, I went real deep, which is what we're trying to do here. Uh, I'm talking about Cody Morris of the Cleveland Guardians. And I hope that you all at home also went who. So, the Cleveland Guardians' notable pitching factory—they don't really have a, a, a rotation opening right now. That's uh, the the unfortunate side effect of being, you know, the pitching factory that they are. But. They do have some uh, unproven, unreliable arms in uh, Cal Quantrill, Zach Plesak, Aaron Savali, Tristan McKenzie, all of whom I like to some extent, but we we can't expect 32 starts out of all or any of them. Um, So I do think that Cody Morris is probably, given what he did in the minors last year, the next man up. I'm looking at their depth chart. Uh, Roster Resource has Cody Morris as the next man up, so hopefully I'm right there. Now, why do I care? Why do I care about Cody Morris? Because this is a team that notoriously churns out pitchers. Cody Morris has an electric fastball. He, <laughs> I, I was, t- I was, we were doing the planning and I was telling Jordan the story of uh, his one complex league start this year. He, uh, he got one tune-up start in the complex league and uh, pitched 4.1 innings. Uh, and you know, you you might know four four point one innings is thirteen outs, and he struck out twelve batters. So goofy. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a twenty four year old in the complex league. Yes, he, he he just went in there and said, "I don't care that these are children. I'm going to strike them all out." Basically, like uh, Ichiro striking out the uh, that team of high school girls uh, over the off season.
1: Cody Morris uh, went in there and said, "Heck, those kids." <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I wasn't going to say it, but. Uh, <laughs> So after after uh making a joke of that one complex league start, he went to triple A, had a 1.35 ERA. Sorry, double A. Then he went to triple A and had a 1.72 ERA. So I mean, you can extrapolate and figure that he would in the majors have roughly a 2.1 ERA, but uh that's you know, neither here nor there. Uh while putting up those absurd ERAs, he supported it with great strikeout ratios, great walk ratios, great home run per nine numbers. He just he did everything you could want a pitcher to do in the minors with the lone exception of like being truly stretched out. He didn't he he never really threw more than four or five innings in a start. That's a concern. Uh, the, so I love the talent. I love the situation. Like being a pitcher on the Guardians means I automatically bump you up in my ratings uh, rankings quite a bit. My, my fake rankings that don't exist because I'm too lazy to do rankings. <laughs> but this is the deepest of sleepers. I will probably have shares of him this year in, in leagues where I can stash guys in the minors, the, the couple of dynasty leagues that I'm in. And I am I, I, I have it in my head that because of his usage in the minors where he never throws more than four innings, he might just wind up being another like loisaga or uh garrett whitlock type like you know middle inning couple inning reliever beast
1: which has and, its, yeah. like in
2: deeper leagues that has its value right it does it does yeah. so you know that's a name to file away if, if your leagues aren't quite that deep but uh yeah cody morris cleveland guardians just file that one away
1: I feel like that's a name like if they're not already on a roster in a dynasty league, that's a fine name to add and try to get someone off the wire in your first year player and free agent draft. I think that's fully acceptable to try to target Cody Morris in there if you can get him too. So I'm
2: going to be furious if I look at any of my leagues tomorrow and I see that someone picked him up.
1: I think I might just I I think I might just (laughs) check and see if he's available in our dynasty league that we're in together and just try to beat you to it. I might do that. We'll see. Um oh no we can't because there's no free agency pickups because we have to do a first year player draft, which I have a pick before
2: you. Mm.
1: Ooh, do I just take him if he's available? Wait, is is your
2: is your pick before me because I did better than you? Yeah, exactly. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i'm um,
1: right. i did i did pretty badly in like most of my leagues last year unfortunately right. you'll, you'll Except always for have TGF FBI. yeah <laughs> i was gonna say I, I, I did uh boat race you in that which was fantastic i have get let me have this one thing schwebs just you, this one thing
2: you'll have that forever you, you, no one can take it away
1: my precious
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right
1: i think that's gonna be or wait do we have more people we need to talk about Yes, we do. Shoot
2: literally literally like this last bit we're just gonna say some names we're not gonna we're like and like maybe like a sentence for each one you uh so we had our spring uh you know young pitchers who were killing it in spring training section last year that's where we mentioned our our love of uh what Alec Manoa did to he, Alec Manoa in spring training last year devastated the Yankees lineup and yes. that that was worth calling him out and it turned out that he had to you know turn that into a really good season so uh, we we don't have that this year. So this year, we're just going to talk about some uh, bounce back candidates that we like. And we're going to talk about some rookie debuts that we hope to see. And we'll be tracking, uh, you know, avidly to see when these guys come up. Perfect. So uh, I actually that,
1: can I can I say I think sure. I have a name for this uh, section okay. of the episode. I think we should call this the member berries. If you know the reference from South Park. <laughs> Please explain member. Remember the it's basically the member <laughs> berries, the member berries in, in this episode of South Park. I haven't even I didn't even like actively or sorry I didn't willfully watch this episode. It was just on in the background when I used to live with my old roommates. And I don't it was think basically I've just watched. like recalling things from the past. It's just these member berries that were recall things from the past, talking grapes or like whatever they were.
2: The, but, the, but the oh my god, you just made me remember the California raisins. But yeah. <laughs> There you go. Same so yeah, member, member the
1: California raisins.
2: Let's remember some guys.
1: Yeah, let's remember some guys.
2: So, uh, uh, yeah, you're you're a fan of Sixto Sanchez. I am, but
1: what he was, and I really hope that did he can it, return to be that. Like scare it, you? It's just like, well, no, it's not. You didn't scare me. I just think that it's like it seems like everyone is so 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 out on Sixto, and I don't think it's worth being completely out on him Which, as of the, yet. And,
2: Everyone includes me, and I, I absolutely tore into Jordan when he wanted to talk about Sixto Sanchez yeah, today. But true. The, the point remains that he was a top prospect for a reason, and he's due back this year. So, you know, keep an eye out. Uh, I, I brought up Reed Detmers, who falls into that bucket uh, like Eliezer Hernandez where he's got some sick breaking pitches and mm-hmm. just a really underwhelming fastball. Patrick Sandoval is kind of like that too, and Patrick Sandoval has clearly made it work so uh maybe the angels can work similar magic with reed detmers so i'm i'm he's at 442 adp right now uh and i'm absolutely keeping an eye out and probably gonna have a few shares of him because uh he's got the talent he was he was a top 10 pick in the draft kluber is one that we talked about uh with yancy when we
1: had him on the podcast because we talked about so many rays um and like Yancey even brought up Yancey being of course Yancey Eaton. uh one of our favorite people in the fantasy baseball space. Um, but he we talked about Kluber and how like he's being drafted so 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 late and there's a non zero chance and like I feel like a fairly likely chance that because obviously Glasnow is out for this year, there's a I mean there's a chance that Kluber could be one of the most valuable pitchers or the most valuable pitcher on that Ray's staff
2: this coming year in
1: terms of fantasy value. Just he if he yelled? has any sort of return to form.
2: Like he'll he, be the only one that they let throw more than like four innings at a time. Yeah, exactly. My guess That's is that he will be like he'll be he'll probably like cap out at like five innings. He 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 is the most fragile pitcher on that team and they will be the most reckless with him because he is 35 and they don't care. Yeah, honestly. Um thirty six, so no. be thirty-six.
1: Jeez. Oh man. But yes,
2: I mean Kluber just like based
1: on precedent that we have and how he can perform. Obviously there's been a large drop off in the injury history is concerning in many ways, but if he can stay healthy, I think he ends up being the highest volume pitcher on that team, which provides value in and of itself. So don't quit on Corey Kluber quite
2: yet. And it's, it's funny that I just spent time saying how much I hated Sixto Sanchez and ripped into Jordan for that. Yeah. And now here I am defending Edward Cabrera, who had a pretty, (laughs) pretty disastrous first uh, go around.
1: And I'm not that interested in Cabrera myself. I think that's I don't know I don't know where
2: the. Oh, now I feel uh, even better about this. Y-
1: you live just despite <laughs> me.
2: I know this. It's fair. Um, uh, I, I uh, similar uh, similar to Carlos Hernandez, where I'm making a bet on arm talent here. Uh, yeah. I like I like uh, the variety in Hernandez's repertoire more, but I do think the the absolutely electric sinker that uh, Edward Cabrera has should give him a solid floor going forward and he's got the he's got at least one secondary that should give him some strikeout potential so I'm not I have not quit on Edward Cabrera yet. Uh so that's guys that we saw some of last year uh with the exception of Six though. What what about guys that we haven't seen in the majors yet? All right, so we have a few names written down
1: here. I'm going to highlight the two that I think I like the most. Uh, first being Max Meyer dominated between two levels of the minors last year, double A AA and triple A. The triple A sample is incredibly small. Let's not omit that small fact, but like Max Meyer was excellent in both double A AA and triple A last year. And I, I know that Miami lineup is loaded, but like kind of just what we talked about, like ever Cabrera, not super impressive in his debut. If he continues not being super impressive, maybe he gets bumped. So Max Meyer gets a chance. If Eliezer Hernandez and Sixto Sanchez both have injury issues moving forward, that's another opportunity for Max Meyer to step up and actually get an opportunity. So um, I really like Max Meyer a lot. Um, I would also say that George Kirby from the Mariners is probably one of, if not my favorite, pitching
2: prospect in the majors or sorry, in the minors. It's interesting because we I like I put down Matt Brash here. Yeah, yeah. So Justin Everyone's Dunn is in love currently that slider. slide's it's so so good. So Justin Dunn is currently penciled in as the number five starter for the Mariners. Which,
1: yeah, I talked about him last year. I think as one of my sleep, one of my like deep league picks. That's another one that I kind of failed on. Like he didn't put it together. Um, he was also dealing with injury stuff this
2: year, I believe. Yes, he only, so. he only made eleven starts last year. So if he falls apart, or if Chris Flexen, uh.
1: <laughs> the disdain in your face <laughs> and your voice when you had to say his name—I don't even want to. I, oh.
2: I just—I felt a chill. That's incredible. Like, uh, just crisp. Uh, don't crisp. say it two
1: more times. It's like Beetlejuice. He'll show up and steal <laughs> your. Show sp- up and steal my new wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I love how we're bringing back bits from last off season. Now that we're in the new off season. <laughs> It all comes full circle.
2: Actually I, I love looking at Chris Flexen's player page. It's so weird. He's 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 pretty unique. And uh if, if he hadn't stolen my wife and uh you know been so bad for the Mets, I might actually like him. But <laughs> yeah, so I, I I can't imagine this starting five lasts super long for the Mariners. Yeah. So you have to assume that, I mean, Matt Brash is probably the first one up of the two, I would think, because of experience more than anything else. Where's Emerson Hancock there
1: in in that mix, too? Because he also could come up as well. He's another person that I think is close enough that it's possible he shows up as well. And Um,
2: Justice Sheffield could have the first shot, too. That's true. I talent-wise, I mean, Brash and Kirby are a clear step above uh, Justice Sheffield. So uh, we'll, we'll see how the Mariners handle their youngsters, but if you hear that either Brash or Kirby are getting called up, pick them up immediately.
1: Well, if they're bringing up Julio Rodriguez and they're going to try to like, very hard like, push to compete this year, I would be shocked if that pitching staff is just struggling at all, which I expect them to
2: in I some mean, areas. I would fully expect that they try to push them up quicker than expected. brash is another guy who could wind up being just like an electric multi-inning arm that would be fine though again like we like we said with um
1: like we said with uh cody morris i think before yeah like if you're just like a multi-inning relief person there's still value in that you're really really deep because i think of people like brent Suter, who like multiple like they call Mm -hmm. him the vulture for a reason and that's because he literally will just come in in if you're like tied or behind. By a couple of rounds, he'll pitch like two innings. Brewers will take a lead back. He had like 13 wins last year or something crazy like that. <laughs> like the fact that you can get that from a guy who's getting drafted, like pick 600 probably. I, d- I don't even know where his ADP is I, at right now. I think Brent Suter has more career wins than Jake DeGrom. 100%. I would I would I would actually how many career wins does Jake DeGrom have? It's, it's like 70. Oh, uh, no, maybe not that many. I, w- I would but, say that Brent Suter has like 50 career wins.
2: Really, jeez. I th- I think so, but, maybe. But I, anyways, yeah that that multi inning uh reliever is is a more valuable thing in in the you know the deep you get in uh in fantasy. But yes, the guys that I I think could snag a rotation spot earlier because of the other arms in the rotation. I'm looking in Cincinnati and I'm looking in Baltimore and looking at Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, and Grayson Rodriguez. All of them are, you know, really talented. You know, obviously Green and Grayson uh, from a stuff perspective are more impressive than Lodolo. But Lodolo has his, you know, elite feel for pitching and control. I am the these are all, all three of these guys. I mean, I think Hunter Green is actually being drafted like around 400 right now. Like he's actually like his ADP is kind of up there for. I think for, there's
1: people that are expecting him to break camp in the starting rotation. I mean, looking at
2: the four and five camp. starters yeah oh please uh the four and five stars for cincinnati right now are uh it was uh, vlad gutierrez and Mm -hmm. reaver san martin is that i I think i have that name right yeah uh so uh, that's that's just not a lot of competition for you know one of the handful of the best pitching prospects in baseball yeah so I, i expect to see either or both of them pretty quickly uh, I it'd be weird. God, it'd be weird if I. This is one of those things where, like, with the CBA, we we just have no idea if there's going to be incentive to bring these guys up or not. But we're expecting there to be. I'm I'm, I'm expecting there to be some kind of, uh. So, so something pushing these guys up. So some kind of incentive for, uh, teams to not hold these players down when they're ready anymore. Fingers yeah. crossed. But uh, Grayson Rodriguez, Baltimore is. They're not ready to contend, but I think they're ready to start being better. And Grayson Rodriguez is a part of that. I I think we see both Adley Rushman and Grayson Rodriguez this year.
1: Oh, I think so too. I mean, Adley,
2: I think, is a lock to be there. Grayson,
1: I think, is also a lock. He might show up a little bit later. They should probably both break camp. I would hope. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Adley did. I think it's slightly less likely that like Grayson does, but I think that they should, like, ideally, just be yeah, I together.
2: A, I have a quick quiz for you before we wrap up. Let's go. I'm ready. Name the Baltimore Orioles rotation. I quit. <laughs>
1: um. So John Means.
2: Yeah, that's that's the that's um, the free space.
1: Zach Lowther.
2: I thought I didn't think you were gonna get that one.
1: Um oh god why do i know zach Lowther, but no one else right now i don't i don't know my brain is not working let me let, you just give me like two <laughs> seconds and i might it, just quit um it is after
2: midnight there i understand i got nothing else jordan Lyles. oh i forgot about jordan Lyles. bruce he's gonna give up so many well actually maybe not with the new right field or uh, left field fence i was gonna say he's gonna give up so many dongs there but uh bruce zimmerman and okay. keegan aiken
1: Oh, I forgot about Keegan Aiken, too. Yeah. I can't
2: believe I can't believe they're leaving out my boy Dean Creamer. Um, but yeah, so uh, there's no good reason for Grayson Rodriguez to not show up pretty quickly.
1: And this is true. Yeah, I, mean, I hope they fast track a lot. Again, I hope there's incentive for the teams, the owners to fast track all of these good young players uh, to areas where they can be appreciated. And like, I don't know, maybe like if you bring up young players earlier, it'll help you sell tickets. And get some excitement uh, drummed up around the team. I don't know. That's that's just a thought. Um, but yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, Grayson Rodriguez has not been above double A so far, but like, ugh, <laughs> domin He's dominated every batter he's seen so far. Yeah, it's time.
1: It's time. But on that note. That's going to be it for this week's episode of In The Deep. Thank you all for joining us once again. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week with, I think, the outfield preview, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, please be sure to like, subscribe, and fo- uh, leave a review on your podcast platform of choice. Again, if you want to follow the podcast or Schwabzi or myself on Twitter, you can follow the pod at In the Deep PL. You can follow Schwabzi at at Schwebzy, That's S-H-W-E-B-S-I or myself at Bunt Singles. uh, And we'll be back next week. Schwebzy, send them out.
2: Bye, friends.